Georgia Realtors Realcast. I'm your host, Maura Neal. I hope you are doing well and finding new ways of thriving, not just merely surviving, through these days of working from home and adjusting to a new normal. If you're a Georgia Realtor listening to this podcast, I hope you've been watching the weekly video updates from our president, Farron W. King during which he is providing valuable information and messages of support and encouragement to our members. Our GAR leadership, along with our fantastic staff led by our CEO, Deb Junkin, have been working tirelessly behind the scenes to keep us up to date on important issues facing realtors during these strange times we're living in, as well as to provide online education and resources for realtors all across the state. That's what today's episode is all about leading, and leadership in trying times. My guest today is my good friend, Realtor Colin Milan from Southwest Oregon. Colin has served in a variety of leadership roles at all levels, local, state, and national. He and I have often had conversations just like this one, and so he seemed like a natural fit to sit down for a chat on the record, so to speak, or more accurately, on the recording, for all of you. However, this episode isn't just for leadership, or more specifically, it's not just for those that the average person might identify as a leader, those who are elected or appointed to a traditional leadership position. Some of my favorite podcasts to listen to are those that let you feel like a fly on the wall, as if you're listening in overhearing a conversation at the next table. That's what Colin and I wanted this to be. We wanted to discuss a topic that we have regularly batted around in our casual conversations, usually at a conference, usually sitting at the bar, usually late at night over a beer or two. What is leadership? Who are the leaders? What makes a great leader? How do we spot them? How do we train them and bring them up? How do we lead and encourage others to do the same? And so important right now, how do we lead in trying times? And even more importantly, what do leaders do to prepare? We may not be sitting at a bar, beer in hand, solving the world's problems, but a conversation with Colin is always one that I welcome and one that always makes me think about things in a new way. So who is this Colin Milan? Colin is a broker owner of a small brokerage, Full Circle Real Estate in Ashland, Oregon. He immigrated from Ireland in 1997, worked for four years in the service industry before getting into real estate in 2000, and has been a top producer from the outset. Colin is a strong believer in the profession of real estate being a cornerstone of the American dream and has been thankful for the many opportunities it has provided for him and his family. Colin is a past president for his local MLS, a past state president for the Oregon Association of Realtors, a graduate of the National Association of Realtors Leadership Academy, past regional vice president, RVP, for NAR's Region 12, and past liaison for global committees at the National Association of Realtors. Balancing a busy career, family life, and his volunteer leadership roles makes for a full schedule, but it's one that he relishes. A firm believer in ensuring realtors and brokers are surrounded with the best resources possible to stay relevant and thrive in today's market. 
Colin is also a big advocate for the work NAR does on behalf of consumers and real estate professionals everywhere, taking on the toughest issues so that we can all do what we do running our businesses. I hope that you'll enjoy this episode. Hi there, Colin Milan. Welcome to GA Realcast. Hey, Maura. How are you? I am doing great. It is good to see you virtually. Since we are recording via Zoom right now, we're all kind of sheltering in place and under various levels of either self-quarantine or forced quarantine. How are you doing through all of this? Same. Just getting used to the new reality that this is what face-to-face is going to look like for a while. So getting to do this with you in this way and not in person is, of course, never as good as being in person. But um, like we said, it's the new normal and we get to do it safely and uh, in a way that hopefully engages uh, anyone else that wants to be a part of the conversation. Absolutely. And speaking of new normal, you just came out of a board of directors meeting that was... (laughs) over Zoom. So tell me a little bit about what that experience was like, since I'm sure it was brand new. It was brand new to a lot of people. Um, Let's start there. Uh, Some of us have been doing this for the last two or three weeks. It's almost, I can almost not remember when we didn't have Zoom, but I didn't have it a month (laughs) ago, or I didn't, hadn't done it a month ago. And so figuring out the little bits and pieces about where you join conversations and how you chat and how you put your hand up and how you mute people and mute yourself and Those are all, you know, it's the new social etiquette to know those things. And so when you've got a board of directors meeting, and in Oregon, we still have 120 or so board of directors. So it's still a fairly substantial size. Um, It presents its own technical challenges. And of course, Zoom had technical issues today. So all the online polling that was preset for us to participate in, including elections, of course, didn't work. And then we ended up like 149th in line for technical solutions. So we had to work around it. So it was challenging for staff. And that was absolutely not staff's fault. But, uh, um, you know, maybe our our members could have done a bit of a better job in researching how to use the program because they were asked to in advance of the meeting and they were provided the opportunity to and they didn't. So it made it a little bit more challenging for everybody. Well, and the reason that I ask is, of course, because we'd had a little bit of a chat before I hit record, but also because of our topic today, which is leading during trying times uh, mm-hmm. or leadership during trying times, which, of course, we are in some very trying times right now mm-hmm. with the coronavirus and it sort of coming out of left field and taking us all a, a lot off guard. I was going to say a little bit off guard, but a lot off guard. But trying times for leaders can really happen anytime. It doesn't have to be the midst of a global pandemic. It can be a trying time for the leader of a local association, for example, who unexpectedly loses their CEO, for example. So in times of stress and struggle, that tends to bring out the best and the worst in people. And it usually falls to the leadership to deal with that. So what have you been seeing Obviously, we're seeing each other virtually and on social media, but what have you been seeing in terms of ways that it's bringing out the best and the worst in us as realtors? Let's start with the best. I think that some of our best leaders have taken up the reins very, very quickly. I think the National Association of Realtors uh, did an exceptional job so far in getting us information um the uh, the political staff um did so much work for us when it came to that third and most important tranche for us 
as realtors and, and independent contractors. Um, and so much of that gets unseen by the member. I think it's very difficult to portray to a member who doesn't have the opportunity to be as engaged as we are to fully understand how much work really goes into that at the national level. Um, and then I can only speak obviously to the Oregon situation on the state level, but within the first, I would say five days, I would say of receiving the notification, which I call the start of it all of, of the no travel. So you and I were both in Alaska and, uh, you know, it, it was really hard to understand even then just how serious this was getting and how big of an impact it would have in our lives, even within seven days of that. But that's what I call the start of, okay, now it's real. Right. Um, our state association within five days of that and said, okay, all of the continuing education on the platform that we give it to other internet providers or, or education providers, it's going to be free um, until April 17th. Um, that was huge. Immediately, they got in front of something like, what are we going to do with our time? Oh my gosh, you know, what are we going to do? How are we going to address this? And, and I think we're NAR. And the state, again, in Oregon, I can't speak to Georgia. I'm sure you'll, you'll shed some light on that with me. And also our local association, they have to get ahead of it. If you leave a vacuum in place, if people don't fill that, then the members start to fill it on their own or they start to say things. And it's never good. If you leave the space for people to let their imagination run wild in the worst possible ways, that's exactly what's going to happen. So what I was super grateful for was NAR, our state and our local associations, taking the lead and saying, this is what we're doing. Let's get in front of it. So when people say, oh, everyone should forgive dues for a year. I mean, how would that work? I mean, that's financially not possible. The associations are run not for profit. So, you know, the dues dollars run for a 12 month period. You may or you may not have reserves, but you literally can't just say, I'll forgive it for a year because the organization would cease to exist for a year. And so how would that look? How would it look if the NER went away for a year? Well, we have building obligations. We've got staff. We are responsible for hundreds of staff that work tirelessly on our behalf. So we fire all of them for a year. We close the buildings. We go bankrupt. We let our mortgages go away. And then we lose the opportunity to be recognized as independent contractors in that, uh, that massive package that was, uh, that was signed by the president just two weeks ago. So, you know, the National Association of Realtors provided the opportunity for those of us not fortunate enough uh, to make um, a lot of money in real estate to be covered during these tough times. So understand the viability of what the association has done and our leadership got in front of it. That's, that's the best of us. Um, right. And a lot of people got that. Absolutely. And we're seeing to varying degrees, as you said, we're seeing the results of the work of the political staff, obviously mm -hmm. the lobbying side of things. That's been the biggest, very obvious outcome, I would say. And even, even then, those members that aren't as involved as you or I um, may not be truly seeing that impact, but we're going to continue to see the impact of their work as we as we get through this. And as you said too, the national leadership has a lot to do with the direction that that staff is pushed. Um, for, to answer your question at our state level, um, while you and I were in Alaska at the region 12 meetings for NAR and we got that no travel alert that NAR's leadership travel was going to end. Um, we were all, once we got home, we were going to be home for a while because a lot mm -hmm. of the travel that you and I do is, is based on, that NAR leadership travel schedule, but then also our states took, took that cue from national and started closing things down. 
perhaps even before self-quarantine was recommended and mm -hmm. definitely before shelter-in-place ordinances came mm -hmm. out. But for Georgia, we started to see our education, a lot of it getting put online, the ability, mm -hmm. uh, our director of education and professional development, I call her the CE whisperer, she yeah. immediately set to work and started making sure that a lot of the approved CE could be moved into an online platform. Mm -hmm. We got some special stipulations and some addenda from our contracts and forms committee. So they were also acting very quickly, which They've been very vocal about, we have an entire page on our website, which I will post in the show notes at garealcast.com. We have a COVID-19 resource page on our state mm -hmm. association website, which I believe Oregon does as well. Yep. So we're, we are hopefully seeing a lot of the best of. When we do see the worst of, which I don't wanna highlight too much, right? Because we don't wanna reward bad behavior. But when yeah. we're seeing that worst of, in what ways are you seeing leaders? And when I say leaders, I don't necessarily mean people in elected or appointed positions. You don't have to be the president or the president elect or a vice president to be a leader. Um, you just have to have some of those qualities of leadership. What are you seeing as the leaders coming out and, and responding to and trying to quash some of that bad behavior? What are you seeing, uh, especially on social media? So I think the first thing to, to, to acknowledge is everyone has way more time in their hands than they did a month. Everyone's time engaging with their neighbors and their friends on places like Facebook. So they're combing over any number of things that are, they feel applicable to them and they want to chime in on. And a lot of times it's negative. So again, in the absence of strong leadership and the opportunity to counterpoint the points being made, um, that gets very negative very, very quickly and rude and, and, and it's bad. And, that's, and I wish people would just stop. You know, there's these little microaggressions that seem to be coming out uh, on an ongoing basis against each other is just silly. If you wouldn't say it to somebody's face or in person, then don't say it online. Let's start there. Where the leaders are really coming in is they're providing an opportunity to give fact-based responses. And I don't care what side of the political aisle that you're on right now, but the, the, the catchphrase of the moment, fake news, it, it just needs to go away. I don't care how you feel about politics, but if somebody's got something good to say and they could back it with facts, then they should be listened to. And I think that's where the leaders are coming into play by saying, hey, yes, this is tough. Yes, this is different, but here's the facts on how we're going to deal with it as an industry, as an association, how your business should look, how you talk to your clients. Um, those are the types of things where I'm seeing people want to go negative and very quickly a leader in the manner that you described doesn't have to be a president, doesn't have to be the leader of a business, recorrects that path and says, before you go down there, check this out or understand that. And I think that fundamentally is somewhere our society could listen to as a whole and say, and, and not to say everything's perfect and rosy, of course not. There are challenges every single day that we wake up to that are very real uh, and not that pleasant. But the opportunity to lead is to say, listen, you don't have to get negative about that piece because here's the good in all of this. And there is good in all of this. I mean, I genuinely believe there's some unique opportunities available to the industry, uh, to society right now, um, where leaders have an opportunity again to fill that gap and be the leader in that space. And I think they're taking ownership of it. Absolutely.
there are a lot of creative things that I'm seeing that are shedding positive light on ways to do business right now and ways to be a positive influence, to be socially responsible. One thing that I've seen that I've really enjoyed, and just to give you some kudos and a little pat on the back, is you've done some really great interviews that you've uh, conducted with one-on-ones. You and Vince Malta, of course, NAR president, with our economist, Lawrence Yoon, with Shannon McGahan, our senior lobbyist, senior governmental affairs. Staff. And so that to me is true leadership. I know that you are in or have been in various leadership positions over the years, but you're not specifically in a what what people would qualify as a leadership position this year. Is that correct? Yeah, that's absolutely correct. And I think um, the, the couple of things from that is that there's an opportunity to identify opportunities right now in this difficult time. Um, The beauty of having been in some leadership positions in the past is you have the opportunity to develop those relationships. And when leadership doesn't have the same travel and meeting obligations, not that they are not as busy now, if not busier than they were when they were traveling, Mm -hmm. the five hours on an aircraft now opens up as available space to them that they're able to interact um, with realtors like me to help get the message out. And, and part of the appeal to me about being able to do that was to get a very in-person take on what's going on rather than a scripted question and answer. Uh, the ability to let the conversation go where the conversation was going to go was really important to me. And I think it's more relatable because realtors struggle every single day to understand so much of what we do. And, and let's be honest, the Realtor Association is a massive organization and with so many tentacles in so many areas um, that, that there's, it's really hard to grasp what members want to hear about. So having the opportunity to speak with them one-on-one, like Shannon McGann, for example, talking to her um, in a room in her house with her kids running around. That's exactly what we're all facing. I mean, I don't have kids running around right now, but this is a mem- this is a, a, a very high level staff person for the National Association of Realtors faced with the same reality and accomplishing amazing things under difficult circumstances. I think if you had said to Shannon or Lawrence or Vince two months ago, by the way, you're going to be negotiating on the behalf of the realtors with the top political people in the country from your front room. She'd have laughed at us, right? right. It, it's just not something that they're used to, but it's a great example of how we can still all accomplish a tremendous amount, um, even in the most challenging times. And like you mentioned earlier, um, for a local president, I've certainly been a president of an association and an MLS when we lost our CEO and what does that look like? And if you're a smaller association, sometimes you become the CEO and you're trying to run your business. So um, I think what is enlightening to some of us about this time right now is even the biggest positions that we have at the National Association of Realtors, like Vince Malta being the president that is involved, that is everyone's rowing in the same direction. Even they are as susceptible to major change in the industry as you and I are at the smaller, the local and the state levels. And look at what they're doing. They're doing amazing work. So um, again, you can identify opportunity. We can sit around and we can complain. And we can put our head in the sand and we can say, oh my gosh, I want more of this. And why aren't they doing this? You can be that. And there are some people you'll never convince, but to do that. And there are other people that are making a change and they're making a shift and they're being positive and they're identifying the opportunity and they're taking it. 
and that's big. Sure. And as you said, there was no way that as Vince was preparing for his year as president of the National Association of Realtors, he ever could have prepared himself and his team for exactly what we're going through now because it's unprecedented. But that's not to say that some level of disaster preparation doesn't go into every leadership team's planning or it at least it should. And a lot of that prep that you do comes years before you actually take the presidency. It has to do with gathering your team around you, um, gathering the right people, whether that's your official team or the people that you have the opportunity to appoint or just your advisors and mentors. But what advice do you give to someone, say, at uh, the local level or the state level who is preparing for perhaps their year as president, maybe it's next year or sometime in the coming years. So for example, Dory Love is president-elect right now of the Georgia Realtors. She'll be president in 2021. Joey Tucker is coming up most likely as her president-elect and then uh, he'd be president in 2022, ostensibly. What advice do you have for those incoming leaders, incoming presidents? How do they prepare themselves for the unknown? The, the best answer is prepare. I mean, I know that sounds silly. How do you prepare for the unknown as you prepare? I can remember, has to be at least 10 years ago now, our local associations said, we don't have a disaster relief, or a, excuse me, not disaster relief, I'm getting that confused, but a disaster plan in the event that something crazy happens. Um, and we sat around in a room for a day and we did that. And as we got into the, the, the space of, well, that could really happen. Well, it could. What if, what if there's a major earthquake and the building is flattened? What if there are wildfires perfectly realistic in our area mm -hmm. and the building is burnt down or we can't get to the building? What if our SOMLS or MLS services, what if the server breaks down? Do we have a backup and a slave? And, and, and we got into the weeds. And I remember at the time kind of going, but this will never happen. And, and, and the beauty of that is whilst the things we prepared for in that room and have continued to be adjusted since that time, didn't prepare us for this specific eventuality, 80% of it applies. We have an entire staff working remotely right now. Nobody is in the office and they can't be. That's part of what we prepared for. It's as if the building burnt down and we were showing and we're demonstrating that we were able to provide services to each and every member uh, in a way as if the building had burnt down. That, that planning has come back to pay off in spades. Now, thankfully, we don't have the financial distress related to that. We don't have the, the emotional and the potential, you know, who knows, but things like fire and earthquake, you always think the worst about loss of life, et cetera. And of course, uh, this particular crisis, there's loss of life, thankfully, not to our members and our staff at this time. Um, but that disaster preparedness, which felt so foolish to some of us 10 years ago, has really made a difference. And if your local association or your state association hasn't thought thoroughly about that, now is the time. Because one of the things, so I got to, I talked to uh, Elizabeth Mendenhall last week and uh, in another interview session, but not one that I recorded, it was just more casual. Um, and I, I said to her, basically the question was, you know, how how is it for somebody like Vince right now? Because she's no longer on the leadership, uh, the the exec, the exec committee, because it's it's John Smaby's immediate past president. And I said, what does it look like for Vince right now? And I said, the other question I had is, so 
back in 2010, 2011, 2009, those presidents at the National Association of Realtors, even though they might have run four years prior and not seen what was coming, they certainly knew what they were getting into when they were inducted as president. They knew we were in a poor economy. They knew there was a struggle on their hands. They were geared up and they were ready to go. Mm -hmm. Vince Malta woke up within two weeks, the whole world changed. So it's a much different look for somebody like Vince than somebody that says, okay, the next year or two, it's going to look like this and you're going to be part of what we're going to take to get out of it and how do you plan? So have presidents put themselves in that weird position of what if it, I mean, you know, within reason, um, what, 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 what does disaster planning look like? What are the financial implications? How do we reach our members? What if the phone lines are down? What if internet goes down? What if MLS falls apart? What if an industry uh, standard changes? And think of all the different things that you can think of. And when you're done, start again, do it again, because that's what it looks like. And it's worth it. It's worth the exercise. It definitely is. When I think about planning at the association level, usually what we're looking at is strategic planning, right? Which is mm -hmm. kind of looking at in a perfect world, what do mm -hmm. things look like in three to five years? And, and then, you know, in two years, we're going to come back and we're going to do this again. And it's planning for the positive outcomes, whereas disaster planning is brainstorming the hypothetical disasters that could happen. Even, uh, even just last year, we had several local associations in Georgia that were either a planned exit of a CEO, but in a lot of the cases, they were unplanned exits of CEOs at the local level. And there were some people who, there were some local associations and their leadership teams who were really struggling and, and flailing. Uh, not knowing where documents are, not knowing passwords, not knowing the day-to-day -day of the office. And in, in some cases, that CEO is the only full-time staff member. So as simple as planning for something like that, what does it look like when that person retires, quits, is fired, you lose them somehow? Um, but then, as you said, all the way up to what if the building burns down? What if we lose the server? What if we have a, a really catastrophic event like what we're dealing with now. You, you hit a whole bunch of points that I wasn't even referring to, which are exactly right. So one of the, 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 the biggest exposures an association could have is having the institutional memory of the, of, of the association all in one person in their mind, because, you know, things happen. Uh, maybe the CEO is fired. Heaven forbid, maybe they pass away. And that has certainly happened in our state and I've seen it and in other states. Um, and so how protected are you from those types of eventualities? What measures do you have to protect yourself uh, from financial losses through theft or otherwise? Um, are you making sure that your accounts are held in FDIC insured uh, banks with the, with the accounts spread around so that if you have large reserves that they're in enough places? We certainly do that. You can get it. You can go down some rabbit holes. Some of them are worth it. Some of them are not. But you have to be thinking about that, um, and you'll be so much better prepared because uh, it's documented. And 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 the other part, and and we have some personal friends that have assumed the role of CEO as a realtor and as a president, that has had devastating effects on their careers, um, and that's not fair. So you need to be able to explain to your CEO. This isn't my way of saying I don't trust you. And I think that's the challenge a lot of associations have. It feels like an I don't trust you. But if you're not here tomorrow, 
we need to know how we pick up the reins because we've got an entire membership that we're responsible for. So you need to be replaceable. We need to be able to replace you, not because we want to, but we might be forced to one way or the other. How does that happen? And that's what you have to be. Those are business decisions. They shouldn't be personal. Absolutely. Well, and I, I want to go back to, uh, because I'm, the reason I mentioned these great videos that you've done with Vince and Lawrence and Shannon was because, as I said, you are not personally right now in a technically in a leadership position of what a, the average person might define being in a leadership role. But you took the leadership initiative to sit down one-on-one -on -one and have those conversations. And that was something, of course, I would have expected of you, of someone like you, uh, knowing you well enough. But that was something that was really creative, really impressive. I know I've watched two of the three. I haven't had time to watch your sit down with Lawrence yet. But it was definitely a way that the average member who is either in one of the Facebook groups that you posted it to or your personal friend could be a fly on the wall. What other creative leadership initiatives are you seeing either out of people who are in a leadership position right now or just the average realtor who is stepping up at any level right now when things are phenomenally difficult and showing that true leadership quality. Is there anything that you've seen or anybody that you want to give a particular shout out to? Um, you know, I think they, they, there are a lot of people doing a lot of things and uh, it doesn't always have to be positive. But one of the areas I've been most impressed with is I think, again, we're more engaged now than we might have been a month or two ago because we were getting into busy season and all of a sudden the brakes were put on for many mm -hmm. of us is the people that are willing to share their institutional knowledge or their knowledge on technology. Like if somebody puts a post up, like, how do I take a photo of this? Or how do I do this? Or how, what are you using for um, uh, a CRM? And actually I had this conversation with you several months ago when I was moving to a new CRM and you and I had that dialogue and, but we have that kind of relationship. So we're seeing people that may not have those personal relationships, allowing themselves to share with their fellow professionals in a manner that makes them better improves what they're doing, makes them more efficient. And, it, it, you know, I, I still believe the same rules apply to real estate as they do in society. There are certain people that will look for the information and welcome it and embrace it and succeed because of it. And there are some people that just look at, no, that's not for me. Maybe they'll still be successful, but I do believe that there's a certain amount of people that gravitate towards success because they have a hunger. And right now we're seeing a great propensity for sharing. Um, and I think that that's really the credit to the industry is this isn't my information. I'm not going to hold it to my chest. I don't want to share it with you. And I'm not going to share my database with you, <laughs> but I'll share the CRM and how I work the database and how I interact with my clients. And I think a lot of times realtors need direction in how we communicate with each other and our clients. And right now is a time to be more personable in that communication than business-like. Um, and I think that some realtors are doing a really good job at showing what that looks like. Um, that was one of my favorite parts about doing those, those interviews uh, with, with, with uh, Vince and, and Lawrence and Shannon is that you and I have um, a tremendous opportunity to get to know them personally. And it's one of those things like, I wish, I wish everyone could see this. I wish everyone could understand how amazing these people are and that they're so willing to share. And so to give people that opportunity to me 
is fantastic. And to be able to share that experience in a way that's like, wow, Vince is a real person. Yes, he's a realtor. He's got a business in San Francisco. His wife is in the mortgage business. They're all watching this. This is an impact to them personally, as well as being president of the, the largest trade association in the world. Um, that they're also just like us. And a lot of people don't recognize that. They see them in the magazine that comes once a month. They hear an announcement. They get an email from NAR. It's not the same as being able to say, that, I know that person now. I have a better understanding of who they are and how engaged they are. And the trust level goes up. And I think they're, for a large part, the, the, the chatter on Facebook generally is bad. I think there's a lot of negativity. People are overthinking and they're getting negative in a heartbeat. But on the realtor sites, where we communicate with each other, I've seen a tremendous amount of positivity mm -hmm. and good information and reinforcing each other's ideas and sharing of information. I think that's been really encouraging. And I would give one example uh, that you and I both know about, and that is our friend, Brian Copeland. Mm -hmm. When he was preparing for his bar camp, his RE bar camp that was supposed to be in Nashville last week mm -hmm. on April the 2nd, and obviously he had to cancel that in-person event. He moved it virtual and we uh, were putting a lot of things in place to do that via Zoom. And then he realized there are so many people that are realtors or connected to our industry somehow, mortgage bankers, um, mm -hmm. inspectors, all of these people that could be using Zoom that don't know how to use it. And he held a series of tutorials on Zoom for anybody who was interested where he just opened up his screen sharing and invited the general realtor population to come in and learn from him. And I thought that that was incredibly generous. Not that he isn't usually an incredibly generous person anyway, but to your point, holding Zoom sessions, taking time away from his day, from his business, from his family, to sit down with some people he knew and some perfect strangers to say, I want to introduce you and give you a basic tutorial. You could probably find it on YouTube, but I'm going to walk you through it and take your questions. And I think that's a great example. Well, you couldn't have picked a better example. First of all, Brian Copeland is about four times busier than most human beings to start with. <laughs> I don't know how, how he does it. I don't either. I have no idea how he does it. But you hear from people all the time, well, I can't do that. I'm too busy. And he's one of those guys I'll point out and go, if he can do it, and he's way busier than you are in his business, with his family, with his leadership roles, and still has the bandwidth to focus on that one. Because he didn't know Zoom, I don't believe, six mm -mm. weeks ago either. So he no. took the time to experiment, his own personal time, and then share that with anybody willing to listen so that we're all better at it. Mm -hmm. It's just a perfect example. Not for money, not for recognition. Um, great example. And then moved what could have been, how many so many events have been canceled. Some can be replaced by Zoom. This was one of those ones that I don't think people would have had. There's no way you can replace that. You and I both been to Nashville. You've been way more times than I have. That last year was my second year. I was going to go the third time. I had everything booked. We were all going to be there. Yeah. And I was like, well, how do you bring 400 people from a physical location? And I think he had over 800 people from around the country attend. And yes. they, we had people from our office go, that was incredible. I mean, the material that was discussed, it was boots on the ground, people that are in the in in the the foxholes right now doing exactly what we're talking about that are sharing their experiences and their information. Uh, and again, I think that the, up, up until the last minute, but it was free. I mean, that's just incredible. Yeah. So what a great example. Yeah. More Brian's please.
Yeah, absolutely. We need more Brian's. And, and the, the great thing about it too, was he wasn't just teaching realtors how to be better in volunteer roles. I mean, a lot of us are now starting to use zoom with our clients. You know, I have a zoom listing appointment tomorrow. We have two buyers consultations tomorrow via zoom. And, um, so he was teaching in a lot of cases, his competition, his direct competition. This is a tool that you can use to communicate with your clients Right now, one, you can't see them in person, but also into the future when it might just be more convenient for you and for them. And it's going to help them to get more business that could potentially have gone to someone like Brian, their competitor, but he is just a selfless sharer. And I think that that's amazing. And that's where your leaders are. That's the true definition of leaders. And when I mentioned earlier, people are on Facebook and they're sharing ideas with their competitors. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Obviously, Brian does it to a whole other level and is a great example of how we can all do better. Um, I don't know that I could put on a Zoom conference the way he does with the attention to detail and the level of organization. It's just, it's not in my wheelhouse. Right. But know what your wheelhouse is. What are you really good at? And what could you share in a way that's going to have a positive impact on the people that you're sharing it with? So um, we can't all be Brian's. We want more of them, but they're, they're, frankly, there's so few of people like Brian, and I mean that like, in the best possible way. Um, but what are you good at? What's your level of expertise? Um, I mean, for example, you're, you're an amazing speaker, a great educator. Your programs run from start to finish flawlessly. That's not my wheelhouse. I can't do that. If somebody, and I've been asked, like, would you do teach a class from eight? I'm like, no, I can talk. <laughs> we know that. <laughs> but I don't, I don't have that skill set. And if I tried, I'd be out of my wheelhouse and it wouldn't be authentic for me, but you're so good at it. So we all need to be better at identifying our strengths and our weaknesses, sharing those strengths, working on our weaknesses. And that's how we'll all be get better through this. At the end of the day, um, this has been a period of forced learning. If it hasn't been, and you haven't forced learned one way or the other, you're probably less likely to be relevant in tomorrow's market. Right. That's it. And I'm not saying you have to learn Zoom and I'm not saying you have to share your ideas, but you'll find that those that have and that have been paying attention are going to be much more likely to succeed going forward. And our industry changes all the time. And this is a perfect example of how, again, this is the new face to face. This is how I'm talking to my clients. It's how I'm having my meetings. Uh, I heard another great idea. I can't remember who shared it. I, I think I thought maybe it was you at some point. And I think I shared this with Vince when we were on our, our piece that, um, that instead of uh, sending a text, you know, you get an inquiry, hey, I'd like to see 123 B Street, do, do a quick video and mm -hmm. say 30 seconds. It's like, it's, it's real FaceTime. I mean, it's not the same. It's like, hey, you know, I got, your, I got your text. Just want to reach out and say, hey, how's it going? Here's some information for you. I'd love to meet you. I'd love to talk with you. Um, just would that have been normal four weeks ago? No, it might have been a little awkward. But today, that could be really meaningful. And especially if they're already clients of yours and we get so used to texting and it becomes so impersonal, a quick 30 second video in response to a text could be a great way to go. Absolutely. And I think we're having to, we're having to redefine and revamp the way that we do a lot of things right now, at least for the temporary, all of it may not stick into the future, but I think this redefinition of face to face, you know, it would have been, for me at least, for me personally, it would be phenomenally difficult to do a podcast interview with you, for example, if I can't see your face and get visual cues from your body language or when you're 
about to start speaking or when you're winding down a thought so that I know that it's an appropriate time for me to jump in. If we didn't have this video format, this would be a very different conversation. It would feel stilted and awkward, I think, or at least I would. When we're looking at what face-to-face -face means to us and our businesses, I think about all of the sellers over the years that I've literally never met because mm -hmm. their houses were already vacant. They've already moved away. We did a lot of phone consultation, but wouldn't it have been amazing if I had just said to myself, I'm going to find a way to do it this way. And this is something, this is a platform that we're going to use way into the future until something better comes along. Yep. Um, but I, I, I definitely think the face to face, redefinition is going to be something that transforms at least a small way of the way that we do business, both for our clients and our volunteer commitments and obligations. Absolutely. And that's what I was referencing when I mentioned forced learning. This mm -hmm. is, this technology has been around for 20 years. I mean, Absolutely. it's almost to the point where I was wondering when my laptop would stop coming with the camera. I'm like, well, who uses that? I mean, nobody, I haven't used a camera on my computer ever for this stuff, ever. Mm -hmm. um, and not for photographs or anything like that. And so it, it's interesting that what we're seeing is this is really effective. It's, mm -hmm. it's fairly seamless. It's easy to use. It's a great way to talk to our clients. We're absolutely going to have more association meetings this way. I'm absolutely going to talk to my clients more in this format because I can't always be where I need to be to give them that space and that piece of attention. So you and I travel a lot. Um, for various different purposes, typically association related. Sometimes it's teaching or other things like that. Mm -hmm. um, but if I can talk, if I, one thing I tell my clients I can't do is open doors. But frankly, I've never done this with them either. Now I can improve even that. So if I have to talk to you about a client and a contract, I'm not just on the phone, we're face to face. I see your facial expressions. Did you not get what I just said about how you're gonna fill this contract up? I need to go into more detail about that for you then. This is amazing. I mean, if you really think about it, um, this will revolutionize for a lot of us how we do our business. And I think it feels fairly organic. I don't feel anything forced about it at all. And I, no. a month ago, I would have said, no way. It's way too awkward. Don't like it. Don't do it. Well, and it, it takes a tool that I've been using, um, again, that's been available for several years, but I've only been using it consistently for about a year or maybe a little more, which is BombBomb. Mm -hmm. But that's one-sided. So it takes that one-sided video piece where I can, I can send a video message to a client or I can attach it as part of my contract to close in my CRM. But now it's true conversation instead of just a one-sided video messaging. And it takes it to a whole other level. And I think it's going to become an essential tool in my toolbox. It is. If I can give one tip to people though, and I'm sure Brian went over it a million times and you and I are, are good at it. Do a better job at how you look on the camera. There's a light <laughs> on my face. There's a light on your face. I can, I've, and I have a lot of light behind me and it's not sure. blown out. If I turn this light off, which is what most people are doing, it, well, actually that's not too bad. But people, take a look at how you look. If this is going to be something you're going to use with your clients or your peers. Look professional. Look professional. You know, you know. I, there's no excuse not to. I have a $20 desk light. That's all it is. It's not a professional ring. It's not a photography thing. It's nothing fancy. It's just a light. It's LED. I can control the level of it. It literally was $20 at Best Buy four years ago. Mm -hmm. And it has a flexible head. And when I'm on the video, I turn it up so it kind of shines on my face and it's not so bright that I can't see you. 
And uh, when I get off the call, I turn it back down and, and go about my business. So that's one thing I noticed it today on our board of directors meeting um, that some people still need a lot of help with. But if you're going to use it as a business tool, spend the extra five minutes, look awkward, like look at yourself. How do I look? You know, that kind of thing. And, and just do just so that it looks good. They can see your facial expressions and what you're saying. Right. You don't want to be the Alfred Hitchcock silhouette. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think it's going to become an essential tool and I'm using that word because there's been a lot of use of the word essential in the past mm -hmm. couple of weeks, right? Realtors mm -hmm. are or are not being named essential. Yeah. Um, we're talking a lot about whether we're essential, whether our municipal local municipality, our county, our state governments are naming us essential, whether the federal government thinks we are or not. At the end of the day, what matters is whether we are essential to our clients and in our clients' minds. But I wanna spin that a little bit to more of a leadership conversation. What do you think are essential qualities in a leader? And we've talked about some of them already, but obviously everyone has their own strengths and weaknesses. But if we had to make a list of what makes a really good leader, especially in trying times, but just in general, what do you think that, that person or those people need to possess? There's so many different styles of leader and personality traits play a big role in that, but ultimately the ability to face the strong wind, to, to put your feet in the ground, plant your feet in the ground, have vision. Um, be sure that you're listening to the people around you. There are so many people, um, I think, yeah, maybe presidents are most likely to do this. This is my year and I'm going to tell you how it's going to be. Uh, the most effective president is the one that are like, what, what, what's going on? What are the, what's the best way forward that you're utilizing the people that may be stronger at a certain skill set than you might be on a particular issue? Um, but face the wind, you know, be, be, be the resource for the realtors that put you there, whether you're a president or chair of a committee or head of your company or head of a, a, a group in your company. Because if you're, if you're head of a team and you've got 10 team members and you're the head, uh, and they're all really looking for leadership and you're running around like head is chicken, that's not going to inspire confidence. I mean, you can be a leader in any one of those roles and you have to be strong. Uh, you have to be clear and concise. You've got to be studying up. You've got to be preparing uh, and giving solid advice and listening at the same time. Someone said to me long ago, and maybe you can't tell with this call, but you've got two ears and one mouth for a reason. And I know I like to talk a lot, but it's, it's true. And great leaders will, will listen a lot. Thankfully, we have some really good leaders out there right now. Um, I will say on the discussion of essential, non-essential, that's one of those rabbit holes. I see too many realtors go down. There is no definition. Every, it's your definition. It's my definition. And if they're different, that's okay. I don't need to fight with Maura Neal over what essential means. I know what it means to me, and I know what it means to my client. And if it's different than yours, that's okay. As long as I'm not doing anything foolish with that or endangering your, in other words, what I mean is some people are looking at that and going, I'm essential. I'm going to hold open houses. No, that's not what it means. Mm -hmm. So different states have made it clear they're interpreting it differently than other states. And so as professionals, we need to understand that there's space for different people to interpret it differently. And you're not always going to agree, but stop yelling at each other online. That brings out the worst in all of us, especially in public formats. Um, and, and these are trying times for everybody. And I get that some people say everybody should stay home. That's great. Then do our state. We're neither essential nor non-essential. 
but I guarantee you we're not supposed to be doing open houses and we're not, we've been doing a really good job at that. So it's an incredible responsibility that a lot of us have been given and how we act with that responsibility will be key as to whether our clients see us as essential going forward. Because if we come out of this looking like a bunch of nincompoops, we're not going to be essential regardless of what we think of ourselves. So we've got to be careful. Right. And I think communicating, communicating to our clients what the protocols that are being put into place, whether it's following the rules that your broker is putting in place, mm-hmm. following, following the letter of the law, the executive mm-hmm. orders that are coming down from you know, your city or your county or your state, respecting the advice and the recommendations that you're getting from your association, whether that's your local or your state association, but ultimately being seen as being socially responsible and representing the realtor brand in a way that we're all going to be proud of when this comes to an end, when we are able to get back to whatever quote unquote normal is. Mm -hmm. Uh, I want to be I personally, for me, I want to be proud that I, if some, if a client had a true urgent need, we served them in a way that was safe and responsible for my own safety and health, for their safety and health. If they had a housing need, we helped to serve them. But I also want to know that I came out setting a good example. Yeah. And that's the key. And also, Remember that what you're saying in a private forum is not always private. As far as I'm concerned, if you're not going to say it, and I said this earlier in a different capacity, if you're not going to say it to somebody's face, don't say it at all. If you're not going to say, if you're not going to say it to somebody's face, don't say it in a private chat room because somebody's screenshotting it. Somebody's going to share it outside. And we've seen way too many examples of people saying really ridiculous things in the heat of the moment. And it's mm-hmm. kind of like being in an argument face to face. Sometimes you're better off to take five minutes, settle down and come back than you are maybe 10 minutes, an hour, a day, I don't care, and come back to it. Um, and, and there is an opportunity to do real harm if we're not careful. And that's why I don't think anyone is out there defining absolutely what essential means to you or to I. Some people are, and that's the challenge, is it really is it, people are taking it passionately, and that's okay to a degree. Um, and also do the research. You know, The Department of Homeland Security are the ones that came out two weeks ago and said real estate is considered an essential service. But read between the lines and do the research on that. They were giving guidelines to states and municipalities who were questioning, is it or is it not? And some have taken that yes, and some have taken it no for the right reasons. I'm not disputing anyone's, but it's not an absolute. This was not a presidential decree. It didn't make it the law. It didn't allow you to do things you thought you couldn't do the day before. It was like, we consider it essential. Because somebody could contact you right now more and say, I saw a house online. I'm an institutional buyer. I don't need to see the inside of it. I want you to write the offer this way. Send it to me for digital signatures. It's going to be cash. I can wire the cash to the seller in two weeks and we'll call it good. What harm has come from that whatsoever? Have you left your house? Have, has anyone been in danger? Now, that's, those are few and far between. I mean, sure. let's get on. That's, that's not, um, that it's doesn't not the happen norm. every day. It's not. But that's a perfect example how things can happen. So it's not a blanket ban as a non-essential service. We can still do it, but what does safe look like? And that's geographically based, it's state to state, and of course it's dependent on what the laws are applying. Absolutely. So what advice do you have for, maybe there is a realtor out there that's in a leadership position or not, but they're struggling with their, whether they're struggling with their role as a leader right now, or they're struggling with the negativity that they're seeing and they want to be a positive influence and they want to, to lead by example. 
but what they're seeing online is a lot of negativity. What advice do you give that person? Use your relationships. Um, if you're a president or heading towards that role or you're in a leadership role, you got there because you built relationships. You didn't get there in a vacuum. You didn't just wake up some morning and become president or president elect. You've built relationships. You have past presidents. You have so if you're, if you're in a company or if you're head of a team, like I mentioned, talk to other heads of teams. I can't tell you how many phone calls I've gotten from competitors in my market and around the country with exactly those kinds of questions. So call those people. It's never a waste of time. Somebody calls me and says, Colin, I know you don't know me, but I'm dealing with this situation. I'll share what I know. It may not be right for you, but use the relationships. If you're struggling to identify how to lead on a particular issue, contact the people that you think might be able to help you. Now, that doesn't mean you call Vince Malta, but if you know him, maybe you can. Sure. But you know somebody that, that is your Vince Malta, that has been your state leader, your local leader, a company leader, even if they're competitors. I've seen really great cooperation across the board, so you're not alone. And, and, and make a couple, two to three different calls. And if the consensus is the same from the three or the two, then maybe you're on the right path. And sometimes we need the encouragement because it's hard to lead not knowing that people are standing behind you and supporting you. So knowing that you're making the right decision and that people acknowledge it and they're supportive of it goes a long way. And if that's what you, I would absolutely encourage people to reach out, reach out to your peers. And I think those, that that's an excellent point because those relationships, relationships in general are important as a leader, right? We've already mentioned gathering your team around you. And when I, when I teach and speak about leadership, I talk about the, the different teams that you have. You have the teams that, the team that you might not have a lot of choice about, right? Those are the, the, the other elected uh, members of your leadership team who, who are elected or through some process they are chosen and you may not get say in the matter. But then you also have the, the positions that you appoint to, for example, maybe it's the chairs of your committees. And then you also have your, your team of mentors, uh, whether they're in the business or not in the business, your trusted advisors, the people that you go to. But the, the strongest leaders, as I sit and watch from the sidelines and I watch my friends and my mentors who have either been there or are coming up through the ranks to those places, that's what I notice is the leaders who seem to do the best and have the most success and, and are the strongest are the ones that have those strong relationships and always have someone that they can go to when they do have a question. Because especially in trying times, but even in quote unquote normal times, maybe you have a year as president where nothing goes wrong. You're still going to want to have people by your side that you can reach out to and ask for feedback and input and ask those questions, right? Absolutely. Um, it's imperative, you know, and I think that a lot of us that have done that have built those relationships. I mean, I, I, will call, I don't need to call somebody in Oregon to get the answer if I know that somebody else has been through something similar. So maybe I'm calling you or maybe I'm calling Kevin Sears in Massachusetts or Ron Phipps in Rhode Island or any number of people that I think have insight into the issue that I have. So if it's a personnel issue with a team, that's a completely different set of uh, potential people I would be talking to versus a challenge with the CEO uh, versus a challenge with leadership at my association. And, and, I, and, I, and I, another thing I want to, I think, be clear about is don't leave your staff behind. 
make sure that they're involved in these conversations with you. Maybe not on the call, but the last thing you want to do is burst into the office someday and say, I have all these things that I talk to all my friends about, and this is what we're going to do. You're, you have to bring them along in the journey. And this is very collaborative and, and, and it's appropriate that you do that. And sometimes, frankly, I call other CEOs, depending on what it is I'm trying to get to the bottom of. and what. Because sometimes my CEO will say, not mine specifically, but there are CEOs that will say, we're dealing with this. Do you have any insight? And I'm like, you know what? I do, but let me reach out to a couple more people. Those are valuable. Sometimes we can be a resource for other decision makers. So maybe you're not the president, but maybe your CEO knows to reach out to you and you have resources to get information back to them to make the better decision. Um, so make ourselves available to those people as well that need you as well as you needing them. And thank you so much for bringing up staff because first of all, some of my favorite relationships are with staff. I say over and over and over again, my staff at the Georgia Realtor, not my staff, the staff that I get the pleasure and the honor of interacting with at the Georgia Realtors are just phenomenal. And I think they are some of the best. I've also interacted heavily with your CEO and staff at Oregon Realtors. And you know, staff members all around the country, whether they are communications directors or education directors or CEOs or someone's assistant, the staff relationship is so important. And I, I had a conversation yesterday with someone from the Pennsylvania Realtors about uh, relationships. And I equate it somewhat to the way a person treats wait staff at a restaurant. Mm -hmm. yeah. if, you are, if you are not generous and kind and respectful to wait staff, I judge you. Similarly, if you are not generous and kind and respectful to your association staff, I judge you. And they are some of, they can be your biggest cheerleaders and they can be on your side. And, and I don't want to say, and that's an enemy that you don't want to make, but they are people who work tirelessly for our initiatives and for what we want to do for our members. And they deserve all of the thanks and kudos and pats on the back that, that we can possibly give them. They're in the customer service business. And I think there's been an, an evolution uh, in, in a lot of those roles over the last couple of decades. I think that we've all seen changes in how staff uh, and, and, and CEOs interact with um, the membership. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I think it's gotten a lot more um, relationship driven. Um, a lot of times, you know, if you're, the, if you're the staff member who mans the phone when it's dues time, Oh man, what a thankless job. Can you imagine yes. not being, you're like the dishwasher. You know, I cannot like, imagine that job. <laughs> There's nothing positive coming through the dishwasher station. Um, so uh, I don't mean to compare that person to a dishwasher, <laughs> but trying to think about pleasant and unpleasant jobs. Um, you know, that, that's the key. They have to go home. It's a job. They're paid by the hour or sometimes their salary, but it doesn't matter. It's, if you're disagreeing what's going on, the level of respect you can pay the person on the phone is key. Um, and, and, and oftentimes you are the 20th call of a complaint they're getting that day. And so maybe you're not hearing the most pleasant person on the other line, but understand that their, their day is probably going different than yours. Uh, and yeah, maybe you've got a deal falling apart and you're not in the best mood either, but, um, you know, they, they, they are the ones that sing our praises and they are the ones that really keep us together and make sure that we have something worth fighting for. So. Um, yeah, I think that that's, that's a really important part to, to not lose sight of as we're talking about our volunteer leaders. 
Um, every volunteer leader I've ever encountered, every installation I've ever gone to, don't ever underestimate that we would not be in those rooms doing the things that we do if it wasn't for the incredible staff that get to be there. So Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So before I get to our last question, which is a question that I ask every guest, uh, any final thoughts on leadership, especially during trying times? Probably whatever year you thought you were going to have has changed. It has for all of us. Figure out what that's going to look like going forward. Use the resources available to you. If you don't have a big budget, look at what NER is doing. Make sure that your members, because remember the national association, your state association, your local association, there is a three-way agreement, whether it's in writing or not, it doesn't matter. The national association of realtors is as much yours as your state, as your local. They're all three doing amazing things. So make sure that you're informed because a member that calls up and says, how do I deal with this today? Talk about the telemedicine hotline that's been set up uh, by the national association of realtors. What an incredible resource. Um, You know, I I, I say to people all the time, you know, it's, it's, people say, well, you know, what do I get for my dues? Well, it's kind of like, well, you know, if you're a Costco member and you're giving them a hundred dollars a year, but you never go to Costco, it's kind of a waste, right? You got to walk in the door. You don't have to pick up every single thing on every single shelf, but find what works for you. Go through your association website, look at the resources they have available to you, look at your state association and your national association, and pull as much stuff off that shelf as you possibly can, because right now is a great opportunity to figure out, wow, there's some amazing things out there. And that's not just singing the phrases or drinking out of the, the, uh, the, the what do they call it? The, um, drinking the Kool-Aid. Yeah, it's not just drinking the Kool-Aid. It's a real thing. There's a lot of great stuff out there. So uh, that would be my encouragement. If you're a leader out there, help point people in the right direction to those resources because they are incredible. And they're doing more today than they were a month ago in recognition of everything we're going through. So that's what I would recommend to the leaders. Make sure that you're paying attention to everything going on around and getting that information to your members. Excellent. So last question, because we're realtors and we're in the business of helping other people find their dream home. I want you to think about what your ideal is of a dream home. And if money and location and obligation, if, if it was all of no consequence, no object, and you could, it could be anywhere, it could be any style, anywhere in the world, anything that is floating around in your head and there was no price tag on it, what does that look like to you? My gosh. I, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about that kind of stuff, which is kind of crazy, maybe. Um, I would probably stay in the area that I'm in because I absolutely think I love where I live. I, I don't think that I know that. Um, we're super so for excited. anyone who doesn't know, it's Southwest Oregon, right? Yep. yep. Right on the California border. We have four distinct seasons. We don't get the rain that the Portland market gets. Uh, it's 79 degrees outside today. Uh, the pear orchards are blossoming. We have mountains. We have a ski resort. We have lakes and rivers and mountain biking and hiking and theater. It's incredible. Um, I love the house that I'm in, but if I had a dream house, um, it would probably be single level. It would be a four bedroom with an office. It would have a three or four car garage that would ultimately get converted to a gym. If you've met my wife, I know you have. <laughs> you would take up at least two stalls anyway. So I'd be looking to keep the other two stalls just to park or give storage. So let's start with the gymnasium part of it. Um, and I was always a dreamer that I wanted land. But when I watch people that I sell homes for that have land and I see how much maintenance it is, I'm like, no, 
I really don't want land, but keep me, keep me close enough to open spaces that I get to do my thing and walk in the park and do all of that. But, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's not, I don't have any grandiose ideas, simpler, the better for me. I like to spend my quality time with the people I love and, um, out and about. I love it. Well, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I feel like I've been saying this to all of my friends that I've been bringing on that are sharing their expertise and their knowledge and their passion, but just thank you for generously giving to the Georgia Realtors and of course to anyone else who happens to happen upon this episode and, and give it a listen. I really appreciate you and you know that um, I love you. Love you right back. Thanks so much for having me on. It's been a pleasure. And thanks for all that you do in your leadership for your state and around the country. You're an example to all of us. Thanks, Maura. Well, same to you, Colin. And uh, we'll see you in Georgia sometime, I hope. Sooner the better. To learn more about Colin and for links to all of our past episodes, please visit our show notes at garealcast.com. Please remember to like and subscribe to us Apparently, it helps others to find us and it boosts our ratings. Have a great one.